Ryan, we are off and running today on The Raw Deal. What is Cam Rayner doing down in defence? We're going to give you the latest from the first few weeks of intra-club training in Aspley and Wilston Grange uh, over the last two Fridays and how the best 22 might be shaping up now as a result. Also, Mike Whiting is going to talk through the media scene covering the club these days and how it's shifted and changed over his 11 or 12 years in the job. And we're going to get to a bunch of your questions about the year ahead. This is episode two of the brand new Raw Deal. My name is Dom Faye. Mike Whiting sits across from me and we'll be candid right off the top. This is take three of episode two of the Raw Deal, Mike. The last 10 minutes, I mean, we're, we're a bit jumpy. You know, sometimes the Lions get off to a scratchy start and the opposition get a few goals on the board yep. and you think they haven't, they've not woken up yet, the Lions. Yep. I don't think you and I have woken up yet today. No, we haven't turned up to play, as they say, Dom, have we? We're four goals behind after 10 minutes here. We're going to get such a bake by the coach at quarter time at this rate. Let's be candid. I have knocked over a glass of water all over Dom's table here. That was just, so. That was the first take. Was uh, was yeah. There was a glass of water that ended up uh, thankfully not going over any of the equipment, but it wasn't far off. And then take two, we got going, and uh, we were about a minute in, and I had forgot to press record. So we're here now. We know how to do a podcast. And the Raw Deal Studios are still functioning, so all is well in the world. You nailed the intro three times too, mate. It was very good, very impressive. <laughs> I reckon the third take was the best, so that's that, that's what everyone's good. got anyway. Uh, well, look, let's start. We're, we're going to jump straight into intra-club chat in a moment because there is plenty to talk through there. I got to the first intra-club day a couple of weeks ago at Aspley. You were at Wilston Grange mm. last Friday in the sauna that was uh, Brisbane last Friday. So you've got a bit of uh, insight there. Um, but to begin with, I think we should just, um, I think it'd be wrong to start without a, a thanks, a, a massive thanks to everybody for the support of episode one with Lee Matthews last week. Uh, I think we've been a bit blown away by the response. Um, everyone who's jumped on board on, on Patreon uh, in particular, I want to give such an enormous thanks to those people, um, those who've jumped on as a, as a gold member who have access to the Patreon, and then those who've even gone further and become the platinum members as well and are in our private Facebook group. It's been a pretty stunning response, hasn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's obviously flattering, uh, a bit like the reception we got when we, uh, I guess, put it out there that you know, did we want to continue doing this podcast in the first place? The reception we got there and the feedback was overwhelming and as it was last week, now that we've got it off the ground and like we knew we had a pretty good first guest. Yes. <laughs> it, it doesn't get any better than Lee Matthews and it's, let's be honest, it's probably not going to get much better in terms of guests <laughs> from that, but uh, still the feedback has been yeah, fantastic, uh, overwhelming. I've probably said it three times already, but it, mm. it really is and um, a bunch of people have um, written to us on our on our private Facebook group that I haven't got back to yet, and, and even on our Twitter feeds, and yeah, yeah just really want to say uh, uh, genuinely a heartfelt thanks because this is a big step for me and Don. We are yes. going out on our own, and it's it's genuine investment in our in our own time, and it's um, the feedback that we've got makes it well and truly worthwhile. It's a passion project as it is, but the, it is. the feedback's just been incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and uh, we got some pretty exciting things planned for the coming weeks as well before the season kicks off. A few guests we're going to see if we can get on. Uh, I've already floated with you that later this year, maybe around the bye, I want to do a 10 years on Miracle on Grass special because mm. um, like, it hit me the other day again that we're coming up to the 10-year anniversary of that that amazing afternoon. And it'd be great to get a few of the key players in, maybe get Ash McGrath on Zoom, see what he's up to these days. I don't even know Did, where he is. I don't know. I didn't like media at the best of times. No, <laughs> he, he wasn't very keen to do it after that match even. So that's a, that might be a, sto- a story to recount for the yeah. for that podcast. Well, he was always one of the best though, wasn't he, when he did do it? He, he, he was, was ver- really very good. good. Yeah, very insightful when he spoke. He just wasn't a big fan of doing it often. Here's a question without notice, Mike. In your And we will talk about your 11 or 12 years in the job and, and what you've seen shift and change shortly. But in your time in the job, if you had to pick the media BOG from the Brisbane Lions, the player who always in press conferences, anytime they did media, was the one you were most excited to hear 
from and gave the most. Who who's the name who comes to mind? The one that jumps straight to mind. This is without notice. Is yeah. Tom Rockliffe? Okay, really because, interesting. Yeah, Rocky was very. Um, he he was insightful and he he did have opinions to give on topics, which was great. He didn't uh, straight bat things or you know shoulder yeah. arms them as we to use a cricket analogy, but. Um, yeah, he's probably the first one that I think of. Yeah, pretty and, and actually, Dane Beams was very good when he was um, yeah, okay. in the captaincy role as well because he a bit, a little bit similar to Rocky in that way. They were quite happy to speak their mm-hmm. mind and to give their honest opinion on things. So those two are the first couple that jumped to mind. Jeez, I would have put so much money on the fact you would have answered Oscar McInerney. So I'm, I'm o- really Oscar's, <laughs> Oscar's good though. Yeah, Oscar yeah. is good. He's yeah, yeah. he's the BOG at the moment. You know, you're going to get a. You know you're going to get a laugh out of Oscar as well, and that he yes. doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, I was probably my answer came from purely a, a journalistic perspective. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I, I know I'm going to get a good story out of these guys. Do you know my memory about Tom Rockliffe doing media? And yeah, I can don't burn this. him here because sure. I want to get him on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we all try to get Rocky on. Well, I can ask him about this when he does come on. So you know that in 2016, I was doing the uh, match day seeing for yes. the club. So the whole that was a great year. Yeah, wasn't it the best year to be? <laughs> you know, I, honestly, my memories of that year because they asked me to do it, I just started doing a bit more radio and they said, you know, I think something had happened with their other match to MC and they said, do you want to step in and do it? And initially I thought this is like a, a boyhood dream, Happens, you know, yes. this is amazing. Now in the end, I actually uh, stepped away in, because I, I missed watching the footy. I missed it so much because mm. you're in the dugout the whole time, you know, the, the game's on and you're shuffling through your notes, getting ready for the, the $500 shot for goal or whatever it is that's a three quarter <laughs> time. And I mean, that was a year I was relatively happy to miss the football, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd often get out there at three quarter time and do the whole, come on Lions fans, we're... <laughs> <laughs> Only 80 points down here. <laughs> Anything can happen. Um, but the the reason I mentioned this is one part of the job was uh, win or lose, um, you'd end up uh, having to interview somebody, a Lions player, as they walked off the ground. And this was meant to be the captain's job, Tom Rockliffe's job. And the amount of times Rocky fobbed that off to Zork <laughs> that year – Every bad loss, I ended up interviewing Zorg. Well, that's ordinary. Rocky. I'm disappointed to hear that. <laughs> wow. Rocky, that's ordinary. <laughs> well, confront him with it when he gets here. What was very funny is then they did have a win and Rocky came straight for me. And yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'll have the chat now. I'm like, of course you will, Tom. Of course you will. So, and just quickly, I mean, I've, over, I've overlooked, <laughs> I have overlooked someone, mate. The, the, um, the man that provided the intro for this podcast in its most recent iteration, oh, ja- yeah. John O'Brown. Yep, yep. <laughs> never, yeah. a, never a better guy to speak to than, than Brownie. And yeah. he was one, honestly, and this goes back a long, long time, mm. he was one that would front up after bad losses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One specifically I remember when I very first started this job, I was just a casual um, reporting on games just uh home games for the lines at the time just cutting my teeth into the sport here and into the code and mm. brisbane had lost a really it might have been 2008 i want to say yeah, okay. it was a long time ago it was a very late maybe around 21 or 22 lost to carlton and it basically put brisbane out of finals contention i think i remember that, it. they'd given up a five goal lead in the last quarter and carlton overran them so went down to the dressing room flat as attack as you could imagine yeah a, ha- a a bunch of journos which is interesting which topic we'll get onto but mm. a bunch of journos down in the rooms hoping to speak to someone and, and out walked john o'brown so and he put his hand up and spoke uh, candidly to the journos for about 10 minutes and i immediately i thought gee this guy's good i can see why he's so revered within mm. the industry and within the club i think he was captain of or co-captain at the time but um 
yeah, he's he's terrific, Jono. I'm I'm curious to see what he's going to do this year because he's got a bit more time on his hands, uh, Jono, because he stepped away from the Nova Melbourne mm. Breakfast Show. So he was doing that with Sam Pang and Chrissy Swan for the last uh, probably five years, I want to say. They've, they wrapped up at the end of last year. So I think he's still obviously very involved in Fox footy and, and with Nick Rewalt's move to the US mm. with his family this year, I'd imagine uh, Brownie might be, we might be seeing a bit more of Brownie even this year on Fox footy to, to fill that void. But uh, there'll be a bit of free time in Brownie's life. So be curious to see what he gets up to and uh, maybe whether he could answer our call and, uh, and jump in here <laughs> with a, on the Zoom chat with us one time. That'd be a bit of fun. Yeah, it would be. He's um, a very, very intelligent man. John, I think some, mm. I think maybe particularly early in his media career, we we and we saw the way he played. It was all bravado and... Um, yeah, he was like the, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it. He was like the alpha male on the footy field. He yeah. was big and intimidating, but very, very intelligent when it came to footy and yes. uh, nuts and bolts and structures and whatnot. He's, he was, um, you can have a very good footy chat with Johnny. Could, could you see him ever being a coach, do you reckon? Or do you do you think uh, that's not his path? Know, I'm not sure if it's his path. It's a massive commitment being a yeah. coach, just time-wise. You speak to assistant coaches, yes. different again. There's the amount of hours they put in. And at that stage of your life, you've really got to... You've got to have an understanding wife, partner, family, whatever, because it's um a lot of hours and a a lot of unusual hours, I guess, weekends and late nights and yes. yeah, missing time with your family. So I'm not sure whether you'd go down that road at this stage of his career. Well, and I think probably Lee made a really good um exp- uh, explanation actually last week of the dilemma of coaching when he said that he had just about the best career you can hope for and you're still losing one in every three weeks. Yeah. You know, and he said it doesn't get any better than that was his comment. And I thought about that afterwards and like, you know, no matter how no matter how good things might get, you still have to cop that once every three weeks, which is really not a fun way to and go and about even, your life. And even the fact that winning premierships, you move past that so yeah. quickly. Wasn't You're on to the next. It, it is so. Yeah, yeah tough absolutely. lot. Tough life being a coach. Definitely. Uh, well, we are gonna. You, you flagged it. We are gonna talk a bit more about media in a bit because it's something a lot of people are interested in. Um, you know what has changed the media landscape, and I even remember when I was younger, I used to have. Uh, this shows how nerdy I was, Mike. I had an entire wall in my childhood bedroom that was dedicated to newspaper clippings about the Lions. So <laughs> had all these Lions uh, articles up there. It 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 sort of probably looked a bit troubling towards the end. There was too many newspaper clippings, and it got to look a little bit like a serious. <laughs> killers sort of wall, if I'm honest. But um, these days, you, you don't see anywhere near as much coverage of, of footy, um, of maybe a lot of things. But we'll talk about that uh, shortly. Let's kick off with the intra-club, though, because I did get to Aspley a couple of weeks ago. You got to Wilston Grange last Friday. We sort of worked this out pretty perfectly, coincidentally. I'm going to be at uh, Springfield this Friday for the next one, and, and you'll get to the last one. So between us, we are covering all the well. intra-clubs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to kick off by, uh, by just uh, asking you of the intra-club you did see last Friday. If there was one main takeaway, one main talking point from that, and we'll talk about a bunch of others, but the big talking point for you, what was it? I guess the chemistry in the midfield. I'll give two, but they're connected. So I'd say yep. the chemistry in the midfield, and which was the uh, Oscar, uh, the Ruckman shared time. So Oscar McInerney and Darcy Fort both spent time as the main Ruckman on the on the better team. Well, we must point out, I don't know if, the, if it was like this at Aspley, but it's basically an yes. A team against a B team or a yep. best against the rest of Probables, possibles, however you want to frame it. But the the starting centre square was Lockie Neal, um, uh, Josh Dunkley and Will Ashcroft for, for a lot of the match. I pretty mean, Will, good. Will, Yeah, pretty good. But it was just – and I think that's for, for chemistry reasons, I guess. You need to have those guys playing together. Hugh McCluggage didn't play. Jared Berry didn't play. Dane Zorko didn't play. So there's a – I guess they had limited numbers, but I thought that was really crucial to see those guys and how they work. It was quite noticeable to me that – 
Um, Josh Dunkley was the player that the Ruckman were going to quite often first okay. and that Lock- Lockie Neal would be getting the handball received. Now, I'm sure they'll mix that up a little bit once the season starts and, and during the rest of this preseason, but thought it was nice to see that it wasn't just always going to Lockie Neal, which is yeah, understandable yeah. if it did because we know how good a player he is, but that it was going to Dunkley and Neal was, was running off him. And also, as an extension from that, um, I thought the ball movement between the midfield and the forward line looked, looked pretty fluent, actually. So they not always just moving it quickly, but when they were held up from the midfield that there was a number of options presenting forward, um, they were prepared to take their time sometimes, sometimes slow, sometimes quick. So I, I, looked, I liked the ball movement and that chemistry in the midfield. You know, it, it actually reminds me a lot of the start of 2019. I remember I, I, my, my mind's telling me it was the first centre bounce against West Coast in 2019 that our Lions and Neil were in there together. And I remember mm. looking at it and thinking, you, you, we've just built a midfield in one off season. Mm. You think about Dunkley and Ashcroft, there's every chance they go to the first midfield bounce together with what we're seeing this preseason um, come that game against Port Adelaide. It's kind of like that all over again. It's like a, a rebuild of a midfield entirely in one off season. And that's, you know, not even to mention the names that you spoke about there. And I, I did watch the the Demons final again over the weekend. I was missing <laughs> footy, so I put it back on. And, and you know, I, I think we have probably, um, it's, slipped to the back of the mind just how much of a statement Jared Berry made for a permanent midfield role in that game. He almost too, won so. the game for Brisbane, really. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a fair comment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Turned the, it, certainly, yeah. That that starting, whoever walks with Oscar McInerney, the three who walk with him to that first bounce at Adelaide Oval in a couple of, uh, what, six or so weeks' time, it's going to be absolutely fascinating, that particular one. I'm, I'm flying down for the uh, the round one game, going to see my... My brother who lives down there and um and his four year old niece Maddie, the one who made those predictions last year, and <laughs> and my dad, the four of us are going to go down and uh, and see uh see Port first, the Lions. So uh, oh, that'll be what I'm watching when I'm in the stands at Adelaide Oval. Who are the 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 four people who walk to bounce one? I think Lockie Neal's an absolute um guarantee to be one of them. Obviously Oscar McInerney, but the other two, I mean, you'd think probably uh, I, Josh. Dunkley. I think Dunkley will be as well. I, I'm yeah. I'm reasonably certain that he'll be he'll be in there as well I, so I who's the fourth then who's the is it mccluggage oh, is it's, it pre, it's probably mccluggage yeah okay. i mean i don't know obviously we're projecting a long way forward i would say mccluggage yeah um yeah that that off that gives brisbane um a bit of variety in there you don't know whether they're going to go whether if if oscar wins the tap you don't know whether he's going to neil or dunkley yeah and then also once one of those players get, you don't know who the handball is going to because the guys on the outside are good receivers in McCluggage or if Neil's receiving, his ball use was um, excellent on Friday as well, Lockie Neal. So, mm. yeah, a lot of bit more variety. Not that they haven't had variety in that midfield, but, yeah, you throw back in Berry as an option or um, McCluggage, Zorko. Bailey. Bailey, who yeah. did spend little bits and pieces and looked fantastic the other day, I must say. Zach Bailey would have been one of the along with those midfielders, would have been one of the best players on the field. A little little bit hard to judge best on fields and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I had to yeah. write a little report on the hit out and whatnot. And I was just looking for those little pieces. How did Ashcroft go? How did Dunkley go? How did Jack Gunston go? Mm. But the teams are quite lopsided. And I think that's mainly for chemistry purposes, to get the good, the, the better team playing with each other and getting used to each other. Yes. Particularly when you've got new midfielders, pretty crucial, yeah. and, and a new forward, a, a, such an important piece in Jack Gunston. You've got to get build time together and build repetitions together. So, But it is hard to judge who's going well and who's not because there is a 
quite a disparity between the two teams. I, I will say though, my thoughts from week one, um, you know, and I, I was really, I was trying to interrogate my thinking as I'm watching this because I didn't want to fall to the hyperbole, mm. but I thought Will Ashcroft was quite clearly the best player on the ground in week one. I was, um, I went there expecting big things from Will. Uh, first time I'd seen him live uh, with my own eyes and, and I was blown away even from what I'd anticipated or expected. There, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was that you'd see him involved in a contest. Then the ball would moments later be 50 meters away at the other part of the field he'd and there. he'd be there as well yeah, yeah. and i'd go wasn't he just back where did how yeah. did he get up there so quickly so to the point mike where and this is uh this is totally un uh, unwarned unprecedented here but i'm firing off the crystal ball music oh, this is <laughs> <laughs> because i'm gonna make a wild prediction on the raw deal now it's the oh, time dear. for wild predictions i haven't told you this is coming no. will ashcroft is gonna win the norm smith medal <laughs> <laughs> In 2023, I was watching him the other day and thought, I think the Lions are going to make the grand final. You know, no one's going to listen after this week. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a bit too much? No, okay, here's why. I was old. Well, I was watching it. Firstly, I want the audio to be able to play back at the end of the year when it happens and and look like Nostradamus, you know. But the other thing. No one's going to remember. That's what I always say. I said this to you every year with wild preseason predictions. Be wild because no one remembers if you're wrong. And if you're right, they do. Because you the remind win-win. them. <laughs> oh, no. That's it. You cut up the audio. Um, but I was watching it thinking, you know, uh, the, I think the Lions will make and I hope win the grand final this year. That's my my prediction I shared last week. And uh, and I was watching this thinking, Will Ashcroft is has everything about him that he could be that sort of player who wins the Norm Smith medal. It actually made me go back to the um, to the archives. And I think Wayne Harms is the only ever teenager to win a Norm Smith mm. medal. Might have been the first Norm Smith medalist, uh, medal that was won. He was maybe 18, I, I want to say. There's been a couple. I think Chris Judd might have been 21 when he won it in 05. And there's been a couple in there, maybe 20, 21 years old. Andrew McLeod was very young, I think, mm. when he won one. Um, but, uh, but Will Ashcroft to be the first uh, teenager to win it since the very first one. So so just want to mark that all this way out because I, I think quite seriously, Will Ashcroft will have a, a three Brownlow vote game this year, I think. I think that's a pretty reasonable um, prediction that, to make. I don't, I don't mind that prediction. Yeah. I think that's bold without being without being <laughs> over the top. That's not Norm Smith medal? Okay, <laughs> no. <that's, laughs> well, it might be in the grand final. He, it might, like, it might be in the grand final, yeah, but he doesn't. true, yeah. <laughs> it all I fits. guess if I'm saying that he's capable of getting a three voter... It'd be silly of That's me it. to say that he couldn't win the Norm well, Smith. Well, we but just about had the oldest Norm Smith medalist last year in Isaac Smith. Maybe you had yeah. just about the youngest in Will Ashcroft to follow it. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he was – I wasn't thinking in terms of absolute best players on Friday, but he would have been right there, right there. And Three with, goals too, was it and as I'm well? With you. I don't know. Look, I, I <laughs> a couple of people pulled me up – rightfully pulled me up on this. Yeah, I yeah. just wrote that he kicked a goal in my report because I knew he kicked multiple. I just didn't know how many. So I didn't want to commit to sure. two or three or whatever it was. <laughs> okay. Because I there's little parts of I missed two minutes here and there of the match because um, I was chatting to different people that were coming up and saying g'day and I missed little bits here and there. But he was he was exceptional. Mm. Uh, and I'm with you. I Not that I've been slow. I'm not slow to come around to him. He hasn't even played a game yet. But I've I've been sort of holding back my judgment till I've seen him live. Uh, live and in person as well and I wanted to see more of him play against men and how he'd fit in and I'm still going to hold back a bit because as I said the discrepancy between the teams was quite stark so he yeah, yeah. there was a lot of um VFL player VFL signings academy got you know the mm. opposition was riddled with guys that I would think will you know is superior to in terms of talent but he was outstanding and yeah. the funny you mentioned like it's work rate that catches your eye it's decision making um, he doesn't seem sped up by the by the players around him or rushed. He's 
Um, very, yeah, he's terrific in his decision making and his execution, hand and foot, and runs very, very hard. So, yeah, yeah, I was super impressed by what I saw, and uh, I'd come around to thinking that yeah, he's going to play round one. It probably sounds stupid that I. Well, had you a and I've been debating this all summer. Yeah, and, and I was pretty, and this is what I'm saying. I guess I was slow to commit. I just wanted to see because I, I think there's guys like yeah. I loved what Dev Robertson did in the final series. Yes, um, uh, I, and it's no. Um, shock to anyone that listened to this that I love Cal Archie. Now I haven't actually penned down the twenty three or twenty two or twenty three, but mm. those couple of fringy guys, I, I'm not quick to bump those guys out. I didn't want to just anoint Will Ashcroft until I saw it for myself and how he would compare against these guys. But seeing him the other day, like, whew, you're there boy, now. He's, he's in your twenty two. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do want to see. Him. I, I want to see this further through the preseason, but yeah, yeah. He, he's in. Yeah, that's this, so impressive. This is um because obviously, Mike, you generally I'm way up, and you're trying and to you're trying to balance me. Yeah. So I think people can hear in your voice there. If you haven't seen Will yet, I mean, even Mike's starting to reach for superlatives. Yeah. And that's that's when you know we're in something special. I actually did think uh, when I was watching him play in that first intra club uh, about the question we answered last week, uh, which was a headline we'll see we will see this year. I thought another one we could throw in there is some pundits probably going to be Kane Corns. Let's be honest, because it's <laughs> right up Kane's alley. Is going to be some sort of an article about uh, the father-son rules are disgrace. Look at what the best team's been given. One of the best teams has been given. Because I reckon I'd be filthy if I was an opposition fan watching that Brisbane have had five years, what, four or five years of, of good success now, already have a young list that still has good success ahead of it. Hasn't even reached its peak yet, I don't think. And then they bring in a player who, you know, if he stays in Brisbane his whole career, he's, yeah, he's going to be a superstar. It's, it's just it's so a bit of, It's a bit of good luck for Brisbane, isn't it? We saw it yeah. 12 months ago with uh, Sam Darcy yeah. going to the Western Bulldogs who were 40 minutes away from winning a premiership. Yeah. You know, and then they get the, um, you know, the most sought after big man in the draft that year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with Sam Darcy going at number two, I think he went. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a, Horn it's, Francis. Yeah. yeah. After Horn Francis. So yeah, it's a bit, and Nick Dacos, obviously not, yes. not a big, but. It's just a, a bit of luck that Brisbane's had, finally. Yeah, yeah that's true. The father-sons. They've been waiting a long time. So. Uh, have you heard if there's any others on the horizon who could be potential father-sons? Like, it's hard to sometimes get wind of this until it gets a little bit more close. Yeah, I mean, the, I haven't thought about it too much, but the obvious one is Levi, is Levi yeah, yes. who's yeah. two years away, so or 18 months yeah. away. So he's he's um, he's the obvious one that jumps straight to mind. And yeah, big raps on him. But there's a lot of time between now and when he Heaps could potentially time. get drafted. Well, the the one I want to keep an eye on is uh, Luke Hodge's eldest boy because the, the Hodge family seem pretty settled they up do. here now. And uh, I think the, the eldest, is it Cooper? Is the eldest maybe? Who's, yeah. I yep. think, in the Lions Academy. And uh, oh boy, wouldn't that be a story? Yep. <laughs> Would that not be a story? <laughs> we'll put a pin in that and come back to that in three, four years, whenever that happens. A um, couple other talking points from the intra-clubs, Mike. The, the main one, I mentioned it um, off the intro uh, I was shocked to see it when I went, and I imagine you were last week as well, even though you'd had a bit of warning. Um, Cam Rayner, the quarterback, um, playing sort of that that rebounding half-back role. Now, uh, I feel like there's always a couple of surprises. Um, Dane Zorko in this role was a surprise yeah. a year or two ago, and it felt like a, almost a bit of a similar move with Cam. Um, it, it, this has lit up the Brisbane Lions social media <laughs> pages, I think it's fair to say. Uh, you know, this sense that firstly, probably people thought Cam is just on the verge of a breakout as this explosive mid-forward, and maybe also combined with the fact that we're pretty well stocked for half-back options. There's a few. There are a few, and we'll talk about some of them shortly. Um, you know, two in particular I want to talk to you about in 
Connor McKenna and Darcy Wilmot, uh, who we'll talk about um, shortly. Uh, but let, let's talk about the Cam Rayner two halfback move. Firstly, what, ha, have you had any sense this was in the works? And what are your thoughts of it? I didn't have any sense that it was in the works. My thoughts are it's education for Cam, a little yeah. bit of necessity and education. Now, when I say necessity, there's a few players that were missing last week and I presume the week before at Aspley that I'm still trying to um, speak to the club about and exactly why they're out. But we know um, Darcy Gardner had a slow start to his preseason, so he's missing. Yeah. Uh, Jack Payne was missing on the last weekend, um, uh, last Friday night, sorry. So they're actually, and we know what's happened to Marcus Adams, obviously. So we know that they're the the primary back line is very, very short at the moment. It was Harris Andrews and that's it. Yeah. Cam Rayner would have been the second to, or maybe Brandon Starsevich, whichever of those two you think is taller or whichever one is taller. That was the second and third tallest players in, in, in the back line. So mm. I think it was a little bit of necessity, but mainly I think it's a chance to educate Cam. So, well, here's an excuse to get him back. He can see the play from behind the ball. He can understand what forwards are trying to do to defenders how defenders are going to try and stop him. And also, well, I say we, certainly I, and I think we have been harping on about this for quite a while now, Brisbane's forward line and midfield defence. That falls into yeah. the hands of guys like Cam Rayner, Zach Bailey, Link McCarthy, and then the midfielders, uh, Lockie Neal, Hugh McCluggage, et cetera, et cetera. Their capacity for these guys to defend, not just win their own ball and kick goals and look good when the ball is in hand, but to defend. So I, my gut tells me that it's um, a chance for Cam to learn how to defend. I sort of, uh, after the intra-club the other day, I went up and spoke to a couple of the, I bumped into a couple of the assistant coaches. I'll give them up here. I bumped into Murray Davis, who's now the forward line coach, and Cam Bruce, the midfield coach. And I was asking them. It wasn't on the record or anything, yeah. although, I'm, although I'm spilling it now. But they, <laughs> but they were actually quite coy. When I, I said, this is education, right? He's not playing back there. Oh, you know, it's a good chance. We've only got one tall guy back there. Like, So they weren't really committal either way. But I did, get, I did get the impression that it was just a little bit of a, hey, it's preseason. It's the first two weeks of match simulation. Yeah, I think if this is still going... Um, this week and particularly in two weeks' time, I think then maybe we could say it's a bit more, but I'd be shocked. I would be genuinely shocked if this was anything more than a chance to to teach Cam how to defend. I feel like we thought this with Dane Zorko's. I did. I got to put my hand up. Yeah. I was a little bit not as skeptical as I am here, but I was a little bit skeptical about that. Yes. A couple of reasons. The numbers you just touched on, how many they just went and got Connor McKenna, yeah. Darcy Wilmot poked his head up late last season and said, hey, I, I can do this job too. Yeah. There's Noah Answorth who who um, didn't take part last Friday night. There's Daniel Rich. There's Kitty and Coleman. There's Jackson Pryor. There's Callum Archie. Jimmy there's Madden. A, Jimmy Madden. There's a million yeah. halfbacks. So I don't know why they'd need Cam Rayner. And his best spot for me still is primarily half forward and can pinch into the midfield. No, he can do more than pinch into the midfield. He can play some midfield minutes. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one to monitor in the weeks ahead. So you're saying... Keep an eye on it, though. Yeah, so you're saying yeah. if in two weeks' time, if he plays that that proper full hit yeah. out, the oh, last yeah. club, if he that's, plays all of that down oh, back, yeah. 
Yeah. You're then going to think this is happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Oh, I would certainly give it some merit then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's yeah. an interesting one, isn't it? It is. Um, well, spe- let's talk about some of those other defenders you mentioned there. Uh, this is your f- first chance to see Connor McKenna, who I've been raving mm. about uh, in a Lions jumper. He was heavily involved the day I saw him. I have had Connor McKenna in my 22 you from have. the moment we recruited him. Um, after seeing him on Friday in Wilston Grange, is he in your 22 yet or is he closer? He's closer. I don't think he's there yet. He's a bit more advanced than I thought he was. Like I thought he'd be a bit more rusty, and he was. He I mean, he he had one really poor turnover where he kicked it back across goal and it got intercepted. So there was one, but I'm prepared to guys like that. I am prepared to, you know, you wouldn't want that to happen every week. But yeah. it, he's a risk taker. He's meant to take the game on and take risks, so you can forgive the odd mistake. But yeah, we we saw him in space once or twice, and I think it was the last. Can't say the last quarter because it was three by twenty minutes. So the the final third of the match, mm. he did take off from half back and he took a bounce. He took a second and it didn't come back up to him. But I thought, boy, oh boy, his acceleration was it was pretty exciting to watch when he when he did take off and pin the ears back and it does open the game up. Um, yeah, yeah. He did some really good things. Yeah, he was a little bit rusty with his disposal a couple of times, but did some really nice things and yeah, I quite liked him. Now I, I do want to see how he def- has to. Def- how we can defend when there's better, with no disrespect to the guys that are out there, but with some better forwards and mm. some, you know, a stronger opposition pumping the ball inside 50, but he can only do what he's was asked to do on the night. And I thought he was, yeah, he was impressive. He's much closer to the 22 for me now than he, than he was a couple of weeks ago. I was really just impressed that you um, braved the weather to head out there on Friday, to be <laughs> honest, because I was oh. contemplating going on Friday. But Friday, for, for those not in Brisbane, Friday was just about oh. the most oppressive heat I can remember in southeast Queensland. I can't think of – well, it, there's probably been days that are the equally as bad, but that's, that's, that's it's, as bad. Uh, it's yeah, a, it's, it's as right bad. up there, yeah. And yeah. it was one of those days – It's the I reckon it's the unofficial southeast Queensland motto. Um, it's not the heat that gets you, it's the humidity. Yeah. Uh, basically, that they, they should put that on tourism merchandise, I think. Because that's what everybody says, and it was the humidity. It was, a, it was. I said earlier, but it was legitimately a sauna last Friday. Well, what was it like there? Yeah, well, it, I think I remember going. I went to bed that night at maybe nine thirty or ten o'clock, and it, I looked at my phone, and it was still tw- twenty eight or twenty nine degrees. Feels like it, it was twenty eight point something there, and the old feels like thirty three. Yeah. And I was like, that's right. Yes, it was yeah. a freaking sauna, and yeah. it was very, very hot. Now I was sitting in the shade, so I'm not going to pretend that I was as hot <laughs> as the as the guys running around, and ha- had a nice little spot on the grass there at, at Wilson Grange. But yeah, it was stifling, oppressive. Throwing whatever words you want, it was sapping oh. conditions and. And um, Connor McKenna spent the Christmas break over in yep. Ireland in winter. Yep. <laughs> like, like we sometimes speak about players who've come from Melbourne to Brisbane. He's coming from from Ireland to Brisbane. Yep. Like, this is a there must have been something where he thought, "What the hell have I done?" Oh, I think the he last must have had a moment. <laughs> I mean, not the, the the last week or two, we've really copped summer, haven't we? Yeah, like, it's we been a by Brisbane, southeast Queensland standards, it's been not too bad a summer up until now. Mm. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, it's really ramped up a notch. And I think, yeah, so that's, and understandably, they, they're building their match practice, their match simulation sessions accordingly. It's 60 minutes last Friday. I presume that'll go up a notch this week, maybe to to, to 80 potentially, yeah. maybe 4 by 20 and then 4 by 25 I imagine, mm. as their final hit out before the um, unofficial practice match against uh, Sydney. Well, we will have uh, all of that info for you as we, we recap the other uh, next two intercops as well. A couple more plays to talk about. Someone who wasn't in my best 22, but when I saw the, the game at Aspley, uh, he certainly uh, got very close if he's not in there, is Darcy Wilmot. 
Um, now, I perhaps shouldn't have been surprised because he did make such a statement mm. in that finals game last year, or those two finals games. I mean, he was pretty good in the third two, but the first two especially. He w- he made such a statement that he's a best 22 player um, with the talent he's got. But I kind of thought with everybody fit, with players like Connor McKenna coming in, it's going to be a bit hard for Darcy. But I, I thought he was actually the best um, rebounding defender in the first week. Um, I thought he was the best in that position in week one. I don't know how he was on Friday. Yeah, I'd say he was solid. He didn't. Yep. I wouldn't say he stood out. But I'm a massive fan of him. I would have him slightly ahead of Connor McKenna. But okay. it, it does fill up this back line. We don't have to pick our team here because things do evolve over the preseason and we see players um, gather form and improve as the preseason goes on. But the back line fills up pretty quick. If you play three tall, three taller defenders, Brandon Stasovic is your fourth. Then you've got – I mean, Daniel Rich is going to start in the team. Yeah. Kadeen Coleman's going to start in the team. Yeah. That's six defenders. You've probably got one left. Mm-hmm. Now, is that Wilmot? Is it McKenna? Is it um, – Kalachi, yeah. there's someone I've probably forgotten that I shouldn't have and I'm going to get roasted for. Answorth, one of my favourite <laughs> players who I think could play on a wing, but I want to see him play some footy first. Yeah. Um, it, it fills up pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It absolutely it's, does. It's really hard, but I, I'm a massive fan of Wilmot and I think if he's, he's just ahead of McKenna, that could change in a couple of weeks though. Well, one player who I think is an absolute guarantee, there's no debate about that, is the new recruit, Jack Gunston, um, who was uh, pretty phenomenal in week one. Um, you could see, I don't know, that there was something watching him play in that forward line. And it, the week I saw, it, he was alongside, I think, Hippie and, and Tom Fullerton was playing mm. in the first that day. No, Joe, that, that particular afternoon. But watching uh, how he changed even the way that, that every inside 50 looked. It was like that the structure was so noticeably so different good. there. Isn't he? There's this, yeah. I mean, we, I don't, I'm trying not to reach for the cliches like footy smarts and whatever else, so, so am I. but that yeah. is really the, the phrases I want to use because I think what I noticed in him is we've had a lot of very talented forwards in the last, um, you know, a few years at the club, but, but I'm not sure we've had a, a Ford anywhere near this smart. No. Is that your sense uh, watching him? I, mate, everything you said there is spot on. That's what I walked away thinking. Yeah. I had the binoculars on him uh, quite quite a bit, actually, especially from the slow plays. I was keen to see how they how the forwards would work together. It was the first time for him, Hippie and Joe together because Joe played on Friday. So I was just interested to see how they'd work. Sometimes, you know, you can imagine they'd get in each other's way or mm. run into each other's leading space. Or he was He's so patient in that forward 50. I reckon a couple of times, certainly he, just when you think if there's a a player sort of 55 to 70 meters from goal, you can't make the distance there looking for a lead or looking for a bit of space to kick to. And Jack Gunston would wait eight, 10, 11 seconds and then make his lead. He'd be the last guy to lead and he'd be the guy that would find the space. (laughs) And he marked it all on his own a couple of times. You thought, man, he is so smart, so patient. And credit to the forward line because they, um, I mean, I didn't get to watch a replay or watch it back or anything, but maybe that was, um, maybe they were leaving the space for Jack Gunston to lead into working for each other. You'd, you have to give the forward line mix a bit of credit there. But yeah, he was a, yeah, he's a, a cliche, all right. He's a joy to watch as yeah. a forward. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to go too early either, but he'll he'll fit right in. Well, this is, I think the big question I have with, with Jack is whether his benefit is going to come by adding, you know, 40, 50 new goals to the team that he's going to kick or whether it's going to be through how he brings other forwards into the, into the, uh, into the match. Because I was watching it thinking, you know, with somebody like him there with his footy smarts, with the attention opposition is going to pay to him. I wonder what this will do for Eric and for Joe. 
Um, and will the main benefit we see from Jack Gunston be those two firing in a new way, or will it be that Jack Gunston himself is going to be the star goal kicker? What's your sense? It, it'll be interesting. One? Like what we did see a couple of times, and this is what I, th- I thought this would happen, and we saw a bit of evidence from it on Friday, was that those two guys you mentioned, Hipwood and Danaher, were able to, and they like to do this, they like to come up the ground a bit further yeah, and get, yeah. up to the, get up to the wings, and that was something that Dan McStay did last year because McStay is a very good contested mark, and he came come up to the wing and sort of crash and bash and take those down-the-line kicks. But now I think that might be Hipwood and Danaher's job, not just to crash and bash, but just to, to lead up and link yes. up and then swing around. And we know how good a field kicks those two guys are. And and I think leaving Jack sort of closer to goal much of the time, we know he can play in defence as a spare if needed or whatever, but I think Jack Gunston's best work will be done close to goal and let those other two get up the ground a bit and um, run their run their opponents ragged, they can get up the ground and turn them around and beat them back towards goal. So I think that's where we'll see the m- most value of those three working together. Now, I, I, I might test your memory here too. I'm testing mine. Am I right in saying Jack Gunston was the player at Hawthorne who had this this record of goals without a behind maybe six, seven years ago? Yeah, For like a year or so. He might just, have been Luke Bruce. Was that Bruce I'm thinking of? Okay. Because um, what I was thinking... 28 or 29 in a row or something, yeah. It might have been Bruce. You, I think you I are think right. I think it was, yeah. But watch, uh, watching Gunston, he's an incredible he's kick for goal. Kick. And I was thinking almost, have I re framed the 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 big question we ask every year if there was a goal after the siren to win a grand <laughs> final who are you having kick it I, i've always said i've said zach bailey for a few mm. years for a couple of reasons i mean he's actually done he's it done this it. one <laughs> um but he's very dependable with the set shot zach but i think my answer might be jack gunston now i think if it's great the, the siren's gone in a grand final oh my god i'm not Dom. going off zach i want to be really oh clear here there's no trouble this is in the paradise second bombshell for this episode <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm, I, I was watching him thinking yeah 40 metres out on a, on a bit of an angle Siren's mm. gone in a grand final I think if everybody at the club were not taking that shot now I, I'd probably say it's Jack Gunston already wow so that's huge well I mean and I'm not I'm winding you up a little bit but but <laughs> Zach is so he had Zach had a set Zach kicked a couple of goals the other day and one yeah. was a set shot and I was just watching him thinking man that uh, routine and that technique is so simple. It is. For and Zach. Like what can go like honestly, yeah. what can go wrong? Yes, he's gonna miss goals, but nothing can go wrong. It's just straight back, straight through that ball is the ball drop is so simple. Mm. Um he makes it look very easy, Zach Bailey. But yeah, Jack Gunson, to your point, is a fantastic shot at goal. I think he kicked three the other day. I might have missed one or two somewhere as well, but he certainly kicked a few goals. And we've seen him stand up in grand finals as well. Yeah, yeah. He's a, so oh, yeah, he's a big my, match player. My logic there. He's a there. big match player. Absolutely. Uh, I got uh, two more players for you, Mike, to talk through. Players I probably didn't expect we'd be talking about, but this happens every preseason, every intra club. There's a couple who pipe their, their heads up. Um, one is Jimmy Tunstall, uh, who worked Loved his way him. into the first team for, for this yep. particular game and the one I was at as well. Now, I would have thought Tunstall was maybe, there were maybe five or six ahead of him yep. in the queue to get into that first team. I'm not sure I think that anymore. He's um he's come, I mean, he probably surprised a lot of us last year yep. with what he was able to do and uh, maybe was just unfortunate in that he happened to debut in one of the worst games oh, of all time. He got, a, he got a real rough deal, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. You compare his debut to Darcy Wilmot's. <laughs> like he gets the demons at the G for that slogging yeah. and, and and Darcy gets the Richmond final at the Gabba. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tunstall mightn't be as far away from that senior team as maybe a lot of us had thought. Is that a fair comment, do you think? I think so. I think he's probably jumped the queue a bit. I still think he's yeah. a bit off the uh, – a full-strength senior team he's not playing yet, but he's mm. certainly a much – he looks a much improved footballer. Yeah. I still think. I mean, there's. I'm not going to pick his game apart here, but he was eye catching on yes. the when he's in space. He works really hard. I don't know what his what his um, GPS shows or what his 
3K time trial was like. I think it was pretty good. But just watching his game running, he does run really hard up and down that wing. And um, that's a pretty simple measure for a wingman, but an important one and uses the ball really well. Like it was his foot skills that caught my eye on Friday. So really liked him. There is a lot of wingers sitting out at the moment, not playing. Um, We saw Calarchi on the B team. I think he might have played, he might have switched teams for the last third of the game. But like I said earlier, I think Answorth can play on a wing potentially. Jared Berry, we know, can do it. We know Hugh McCluggage can do it, depending on how they want to rotate with the that midfield mix. Um, bunch of guys can do it, but Tunstall's a much, much better footballer. And out of those fringy guys was, I think, the best player. Yeah, um, of yeah the I agree fringe, with that. Of the fringe players on, I, the week, on Friday. Same. Keep saying on the weekend, it's on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the same with the, the game I got to. I would say he was the, the best of the fringe players there yeah. as well. Um, look, uh, it's an interesting one because I probably wouldn't have seen him uh, developing as a winger. I saw him very much as an inside midfielder from what yep. I saw in the, the VFL, but there's not going to be any spots there for a while. And, and I wouldn't mate, think. that'll be the interesting thing because I think the like you look at him and physically he's still so slight. Yes. He's going to yes. take... Um, you know, three or four. He's got that sort of frame where he's going to take three or four or five years, I would think, before he can start absorbing that inside yeah, sort of midfield action. Um, I mean, that might happen quicker. Will Ashcroft's not big either. Mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so maybe Tunstall just takes a couple of years and he's so skilled he can go inside, but he looks really good on the wing. Well, look, we're going to get to a bunch of questions shortly, but I'm just going to throw one at you now because Justin has asked a, a question um, particularly here. Uh, Justin, who is one of our patrons as well. So thank you very much for jumping on board, Justin. Uh, Justin he says uh, that he hasn't seen much of Harry Sharp. Heard he's a great runner. Mm. Maybe, um, you know, that's his major weapon. Um, but do you know what's going on preseason with his form? Because Harry Sharp's another who played in the firsts the week I was there. It sounds like yeah, he had a bit he of time did. there again on the weekend. He, did. he played in the first on um, Friday. I liked him. And he's probably been one that surprised us the whole way through yeah. his career that he debuted a lot sooner than we were expecting. The coach likes him. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? <laughs> so where, where do you see where do you see Harry fitting in? And and I mean, I, I guess probably what do you think the major things that have kept him out of the senior team so far have been? And and did you see noticeable improvement in those facets of his game? Uh, probably. Uh, the easy one to say is physicality. Yep. Because he, he a bit like Tunstall, he's quite slight. He's ha- he's had a couple of preseasons now. I think oh, you his... felt from him hit those first few games he played when yeah. he was still in year twelve, didn't you? Oh, he's playing Geelong. Oh, did he did he play yeah. Geelong on his debut? debut? I mean, yeah. talk about geez, those two boys we've just talked about now. Tunstall having to play Melbourne <laughs> at the MCG and Sharpie having to play Geelong. Yeah. Um, at GMHBA, that's that's tough initiations, and I think that's probably the knock on his game. Whereas you look at Brisbane's wingers have been. Mitch Robinson, yeah. whose main weapon is his physicality. And even, I'm going to say, Cal Archie again, or Noah Answorth, these guys that have played wing. Hugh McCluggage, Jared Berry, big, strong, physical winger. Hugh McCluggage, not as big, but he can play physical. Mm. Um, that's just the area that these guys have got to develop. Now, Harry Sharp, again, he is eye-catching because he runs. I mean, I said James Tunstall runs hard. Harry Sharp's another level. Like yeah. You do notice him when you're watching him play. And if he's on the wing that you're sitting on, it's hard to miss him because yes. he'll be back in defense and then he'll be up in the forward 50 trying it's to, like trying you to have get two a players sometimes. It is. Yeah. So that's, that is his weapon. I think his ball use is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say he's quite at Tunstall's level, but he's, he's not poor by any stretch. He can go off both sides. I, I think he's got a lot of ability again, a bit down the pecking order, just needs that physicality as a winger. You need to get back and help your defenders. I think that's a big, big thing. And that's something that Mitch Robinson built a lot of his career on and, Mm. Um, you need someone to get back and and help your defenders as a as almost a seventh defender. So that's probably the area that he'll have to get better at. Um, bit yeah. more physicality and a, maybe a little bit better overhead as he gets a bit more mature. 
Well, we, we've spoken there about a couple of players who maybe surprised us in the first. A player uh, who surprised me in the seconds that he was in the seconds was Kalachi, mm. who you mentioned. So, um, yep. and, you know, but I, I'm, I like him, so I'm, well, I'm a bit biased. But to me, I feel like one of the Groundhog Day comments of being a Brisbane Lions watcher in recent years is Cal gets out of the team for a bit. He comes back in and everyone goes, why was he out of the team? Look at what he just did. <laughs> I feel like we have this moment again yep. and again and again where we're like, oh, Cal's definitely a lock in the 22 now, only for him to then, over the preseason, somehow, slip down then so like, this is what's probably going to happen he probably mm. won't play round one there'll be no. an injury round four or five he'll come yep. in and Do then we'll job. go why wasn't Cal in the team and yeah. he'll play the rest of the season in there and he's not a big stats man no. he doesn't take big overhead marks he's not he's not he's not eye catching he can do an overhead mark he can he, he can has. that was a bad example yeah. he, he's not eye catching yeah he doesn't storm up and down the wings he doesn't barrel into packs and knock three blokes out of the way we don't see him a lot mm. he just does his job yeah. which sounds simple but he does. If there's a contested ball, he goes for it and often wins it. He can take a mark overhead. He can kick a goal if he's forward. Um, and I sometimes wonder that, I'll put it to him, that versatility can be um, yeah. a curse sometimes. But I think he's a winger. I think he's a winger. I'm not sure whether that's where he'll play or where his opportunities will come, but I think that's probably his best spot. You know, Mike, when we were doing this podcast for the Lions, um, I can let people behind the scenes here. Occasionally, some people at the Lions wanted it to be a bit shorter. They said we could go on a little bit yeah. at times. Well, haven't um, we waffled? <laughs> we've just done 45 minutes on the intra-clubs. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny? Because we'd occasionally get questions. Or people on Twitter would say to us, guys, go longer. We love the podcast. Well, we're putting that to the test now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you've oh, made it here, well done. <laughs> There's a good 45 minutes on the intra club. Uh, I wanted to touch on this today, uh, Mike, before we, we move towards a couple of questions to wrap up. I'll make this part shorter. Oh, no. The I'll people, make it shorter. No one, I mean, we've got we got as long as we want. It's our <laughs> podcast now. We can do what we True. want. Um, but uh, I think this is a, a point of interest for a lot of people, uh, the coverage, the media coverage mm. of the, the club and of footy generally. Um, uh, we, we mentioned we were going to talk about this, and it's something that's been on my mind lately because I remember probably going back a decade, you had um, Andrew Hamilton and Greg Davis at the Career Mail who were both- Two footy riders. Yeah, two footy yep. riders. There's two um, footy riders there. You'd have Andrew Stafford who- was writing for The Age, I think. He's been yep. there for that long, about that long. Yep. You'd have your work and then yep. occasionally you'd get a couple of others popping in and out writing pieces. But those were sort of consistently, you could expect, even in summer, you could expect yep. that you'd probably get um, five to six articles on the Lions a week, all up, when you combined all the, your, different, your different coverage. These days, it seems like um, you'll get a match report in the, the News Corp papers. You'll get a match report maybe from Andrew Stafford um, maybe yep. uh, the the pre uh, pre game day press conference that might get a run. Outside of that, you are the only one now mm. who's writing articles seemingly consistently. Your midweek articles, yep. your features, whatever. So I wanted to to ask you firstly, what are your memory of of the landscape when you you took the job was, and how you've seen it shift and change over the years? Because I think a lot of people would find that really it interesting. Is, like it's it's, and I can't speak on behalf of the other companies involved here and mm. why they've made these particular decisions. But all those guys you've mentioned there, I've obviously known, I know quite well. I still am friends with all of them. Um, and you were a News Corp man briefly yourself as well. I was. Well, so yeah. before I started this job, I worked for Quest Newspapers, which was which is News Corp. That's your suburban newspaper for those people yes. that don't know. So I I worked for them for for quite a few years. Um, before this job so I'm not here to bag those other companies because yeah I'm mates with all those guys and and honestly the journos although we're trying to beat each other to stories and whatnot we're, we're all mates really yeah, yeah. you've got your own little your news pack and your your mates but yeah 
my memories are, yeah, that either Greg or or Andrew Hamilton, Greg Davis or Andrew Hamilton were always there from when I took over this when I started my job halfway through 2011. There was always someone. One of those two guys was always there um, at a, every press conference, at every match. Obviously, like any intra-clubs, opportunity, intra clubs, anything. Yeah. They there was someone there from News Limited. Yeah, it was um, pretty substantial coverage. Yes. from News Limited, I think. Um, Andrew Stafford pro- has always been, I believe, Staff has always been on like a uh, like a contract. So he was he's always been like a casual worker, I guess, for the Age, based up here, based up mm. in um, Staffo lives in Brisbane. So he's um, written for them for many years. But even his involvement has scaled back over the years. Yeah. Now I th- I would loosely put all this under the term of, um, under the phrase of budget. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So for he works for Fairfax, uh, the Age, which is a Fairfax um, newspaper. So oh yeah, it's probably if people hadn't noticed, journalism's had a rough decade. <laughs> it's had a very rough decade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a rough twenty years, but it's it's certainly not been. A, you know, you look at the the chart, you look at the graph. It's certainly not been. I remember I was one of the last graduates of the QUT journalism degree in 2019 when I finally finished that degree before it changed to what is now I think a communications majoring in journalism or something. So like that. even yeah, so even if I think back to Andrew Staff, so Fairfax, um, a, a guy called, some people might know this guy or read this guy's work or certainly when he was doing the odd bit on Brisbane Lions, a guy called Phil Lutton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Phil um, uh, most recently worked for Sydney Morning Herald. He's finished up with them, uh, based in Brisbane, but again, another Fairfax um, newspaper. But Phil would often pop out to, Phil would sort of, Phil's the type of guy that would pop out to if there was a big match and there was a press conference with the captain in the week leading up or there was yeah, a bit of right, bit right. of smoke around the coach or something, you know? Like Phil was basic news. If there was news, mm. Phil would rock up. He wouldn't be there for the Tuesday press conference with the 14th player on the list, you know, sure, just uh, sure. to talk about the 80-point loss on the weekend. You know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like I would turn up to or, or Hammer or GD would turn up to, you know? Yeah. So I guess you've had a couple of those and – I'm sort of going around in circles a little bit, or this might not be overly coherent, but the the um, that's the written, I guess, the written side of things. We used to always have three or four or five journos at every opportunity, I would say, sort of in the first half of that decade. Mm. The the end of Vossi's era, the start of Leper's era, and then probably late in Leper's era, around that 2016 starter phase, 17, 18. It was pretty thin. That yeah. was, I guess there wasn't yeah. a lot of interest nationally around Brisbane, um, around the Brisbane Lions. Uh, TV-wise, you've got the broadcaster, Channel 7, who have broadcast the whole time I've been doing this job, I think, yep. have been the broadcaster. They took over in 2011 or 2012? Yep. I so think 2011 was Channel 10's, the grand final 2011 it was, was Channel it 10's was. last game. You're right. Yep. yep, so 2012 onwards, it's been Channel 7. So yep. I would say they always try and get someone to a press conference. Doesn't quite always happen, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other networks, Channel 9 and Channel 10, ABC, they'll, again, they'll judge it on news. And what happens um, amongst the TV stations anyways, they will pool. So if there's a Broncos press conference on at the same time as a Lions press conference, Channel 10 might go to the uh, Broncos or Channel 9 might go to the Broncos because they're the yeah, broadcast yeah. rights holders and channel 10 might come to the lines and then they'll share the vision between each other mm. so that each network still has access to the press conference or whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this Dom, well, just I, other well, than trying to explain, like, I guess who turns up, why they turn up, 
it's certainly thinned out over the years. I know with News Limited, they I think Andrew Hamilton took a voluntary redundancy there. I don't want to get that wrong, Hamill, if you're listening. Um, I think you might have shared that publicly. At the end of 2019, yeah. Yeah. I want to say. So Greg Davis was left on as the sole um, as the sole employee at News Limited then. COVID came along and then I think Greg took a, a voluntary redundancy as well. So it basically meant that uh, the Courier-Mail had no dedicated um, AFL riders. They really slashed their sports department. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to tread into waters I'm not overly familiar with here, but I know that their sports department was shredded. Mm. They've, there's only a handful of sports journos there. So um, rugby league is their priority. Um, News Limited is a big backer of rugby league. <laughs> uh, so the Australian rule, the AFL gets um, pushed further down the, the pecking order and uh, occasionally, occasionally they'll take a story on the Brisbane Lions. Um, well, it's, it's interesting. Look, I think what's really interesting about this is you and I started this podcast a decade ago, almost to the day in one, in a different form called the Fancast back then. But the core rationale of why we started this was because if you're a diehard Lions fan, you don't get a lot of coverage because, you know, the Korea Mail does Which cover- Which is funny to even think now. This because, is, well, that's what I'm yeah. saying is that actually in a decade, if anything, it's it's gotten worse. There's less coverage worse. now. So you probably, what you will get now is you'll get more coverage of the Lions in the Victorian media because we're a successful team, more relevant yep. team. So, you know, as I said earlier, Kane Corns will have a take on the Lions and, you know, all of this stuff will be happening, which doesn't really happen when you're an interstate team down the bottom. Um, but it, it's an interesting one because it, it seems to have dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. And I, uh, like you have been the only journalist at some press conferences mm. over the years yep. recently, haven't you? Yep. Which yeah, must be an odd experience. Yeah, it is. Um, sometimes, if it's uh, a player that's you know, I don't want to, I don't rank players, but just for context here, if it's the fifteenth or fourteenth or fifteenth player on the list, and there's not an obvious angle, boy, you just sometimes you go along thinking, I hope there's another journo here because I've really got nothing interesting to ask this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing interesting to ask yeah, Noah yeah. Answorth this week about the forty-two point win over the Greater yes. Western Sydney last week. Or if you, you know, do, maybe you've got or, two questions. Yeah, but exactly. Do you have ten. Like now, can I really buffer this out? Because yeah. the other thing is also, I feel a little responsibility to keep padding the press conference because I know the Brisbane Lions are going to film it. They're going to want to put it on their website, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't just dust my hands after two questions. Yeah, well, I've got my quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can, right. I can. Literally, all I need sometimes. Oh, for a I want to go back through some of these presses and, and find the padding questions. So, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes all I need is two or three quotes yeah. for a story because I might yes. go there with the intention of, okay, Noah Answorth up today. I'll use Noah as the example. Yeah. Um, he's he's done three. He's had three really good weeks in a row. He's shut down, you know, Kaziah Pickett and Toby mm. Green and someone else. And I'll just ask him two or three questions on that line of questioning and that's all i need for my story because i can fill out the rest with stats the, the and, stats yeah. and the info and his background and the injuries and what he's Chris said post-match about exactly him. Yeah. i can fill it out i don't need a lot yeah but that's two minutes that's not going to go very good on a lion's website is it <laughs> <laughs> so this is when you're saying what's your ideal sunday noah and what do you yeah. cook, what do you cook on a day it, it's honestly really good to have a bunch of journos there yeah. for, for those type of presses and for the tough ones as well like if you've got if the coach if you're speaking to the coach pre-match and you know he's going to be a bit prickly yeah. because you're asking him about the the club's record at the mcg before they'd broken it against melbourne in the oh like, fags wouldn't have minded that oh he? he loves that stuff <laughs> he loves it you're always like, I know a TV journal is going to ask this one, so I'll let them take that one. 
Who's going to take the first hit up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so so there's funny, yeah. and the, sorry the one the one company I should put in here is AAP, the Associated yeah. Press. They are they will always write something mm. from a press conference. So if the Courier Mail or News Limited or the Age, or something, if they don't have someone there, AAP will write a story. That's okay. a, that's a guy called Murray Wenzel um, or Joel Gould. Mm. They those guys are based in Brisbane. And if they can't get to the press conference, they'll get the audio, they'll write a story, and it's out there for everyone to use that pays for the AAP services. Yeah, so, sure, sure, sure. Um, other, it's, yeah, other, it, other outlets can use them. But funny yeah, though, because you think about the stories that now aren't getting told as a result, and obviously yep. your work is is a top notch in this realm, but with just one journal, it means that there are going to be stories that don't get told. Heaps, mate. Be, Heaps. I know I've said and, to you before that one of my favourite books I've ever read, despite my loathing of Richmond, the, one of my favourite books I've ever read was the, the book Conrad, Conrad Marshall, Marshall wrote it was in great. 2017. It was a great, great book. I ended up getting to read that. It was fantastic. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, loved it. The, the, the stories that are told, the absolute in-depth access provided. Now, Yep. If the Lions win the flag this year, like there's there's going to be so yep. many of those stories that don't that go untold now, just because there's not the coverage, there's not the the market for it anymore, and that's just such a, a shame. And, and honestly, lots of them, um, lo- lots of the stories require p- vision pictures. Yeah. So that's it. Sometimes there's certain things that are, they're TV stories. So I think um, Mark got leave from Channel Nine last year before Cam Rayner played. It might have been before Cam Rayner played his first game. Um, mm. back off his yeah maybe it was first game back from injury or something he went and chatted to Cam Cam had had a dog it was like the do- him walking the dog around the park sure, and sure. how his life had changed over the last few months and whatever I'm like that's a real st- that's a story that you need vision for yeah. that's a great TV story it's not always a written story so I'm not there to write every single little personal story no. that's not relevant to some of my readers but they're great for TV so the, I, I always feel like the more journos around the club the better because you do you do want to get those stories out. You do yeah. want to get those stories out. And I can see the club has a difficult time. They're trying to um, feed information to certain journos sometimes because that story is more relevant for a television audience or a written audience, or maybe it's just in a podcast form or a radio audience. So that's a difficult job that the club's media department have. Um, mm. Well, or, or a difficult one for them to navigate, I guess. Different I, audiences. I guess the bonus for us is that's why the podcast here works. You know, if if there was yep. a Conrad Marshall writing a book about the club, and there were five other Brisbane Lions podcasts, and yeah, there yeah, were yeah. ten yep. journalists covering it, we'd be a bit redundant, here, yep. wouldn't we? So, yep. um, it it sort of does help for the raw deal front of things. But do you, do you see? I mean, this is a broader media um, trajectory question. Do you see any scope for change going forward, or do you think we're you know we're entering more and more of an abyss in terms of? journalism in Australia yeah it's tough the traditional forms it's hard to see us going back to news it's hard to see newspapers reforming and Mm. and and us as a community having stories in the courier mail or the herald sun every day about the Brisbane Lions. it's hard to see us getting back to that it might become a bit more niche so um yeah it might become a bit more niche whether it's podcasts or um you know, blog websites or I know there's a few more, yeah, a few more websites bobbing up that are AFL centric. Like maybe that, maybe that's the way of the future. Subscription models have obviously become, you know, much more popular in recent years. Um, We're always going to, I think we're always going to have television. There's always going to be a spot on news, um, news services to tell news stories and and feature stories um, through the lens on television. But yeah, it's a mix. We're not going to go back to what we were. I don't think. I don't think there's any question about that. But mm. um, the path forward is, yeah, it's a little, little more vexed. Subscription models, podcasts. I think that's certainly the way of the now, and 
probably the way of the immediate future. Uh, look, a quick question from Trent on media stuff for you. He's wondering, with regards to your feature writing, do you get to set your own agenda for this and propose and request the club for access? Or is it the club that says, hey, do you want to do a feature on this guy? Or is it a bit of both? How does it work? G- generally, it's me going to the club. Yep. I've got an idea for a story. Can I speak to this player or can I speak to this coach? Or um, it's it's. I would say nine times out of ten, it's me pitching. Mm. But sometimes the club will say so. Say for example, I went to the Gold Coast Suns. Um, they had a preseason camp last week. I was down. I was up there on the Sunshine Coast with them for three days. Um, I would say to them, "Hey, is there someone you reckon I should be doing a story on? It's yeah, preseason. Sure. Who's going well? Give me someone that I can. I've got a couple of ideas. Um, who's going well? So I got one, and I'm not going to name the name the player. Um, but yeah, I've got a, a someone they said, oh, look, he's had a great preseason. Can you write something on him? I said, yep, give me a few more details and um, give me a hook, something to hang the story on and, and I can go with that. So, But that's probably one out of 10, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them would be generated by me or my conversations with people at the club or my conversations, even with my coworkers. Yeah, we'll have a sure. meeting once a week and they'll say, oh, hey, mate, have you... Have you thought about writing something on this player or on this topic or something? I'll say, oh, I haven't actually. I'll, I'll take it to the club. So, mm. yeah, normally it's me generating and the club, yeah, I would say 10, 10% of the time, maybe the club might come back with an idea. Well, look, uh, we are just about in an hour here, Mike, but we've got a couple of questions to get through before we wrap up the podcast today. So, we've got actually a new piece of music here. This is our new questions theme. When you hear that, that means it is question time here on The Raw Deal now. I love what James North has done. I know. I, was, I had to wait three or four or five seconds there just to hear the, <laughs> yeah, I know. Where's the little lines theme. Oh, there it is. <laughs> he's worked it in there yeah, as always. He's worked it in. Uh, well, look, these questions today, and apologies, I, I did put out on Twitter um, for, for questions. We've, we are running so far over what we'd expected Oops. to do today. So I'm going to leave the Twitter ones uh, for now. We might get to them a little later on. Um, if you want to get your question on the podcast, the best way is to be one of our patrons. Um, they're, they're, those are the ones who obviously are getting prioritized. So we did put a post up in the, the Facebook group of our Raw Deal Platinum members today. couple to fire through uh, here, Mike. Um, the first comes from Matt. If Ashcroft gets named in the squad for round one, who is it who misses out? Oh, well, that's a, tr- that's a tricky one. I think it's the guy, I mean, you're looking at the midfield half forward wing, that little rotation, aren't you? So you're probably mm. looking at a Dev Robertson. If, if you're a Dev Robertson fan, he's probably the guy that misses out. Or it might be, and I know we've mentioned this guy a lot on this podcast today, it might be a, a Cal Archie. Yeah. Because I can't see how, obviously, Neil, Dunkley, they're not missing out. No. Cluggage is not missing out. I don't think Berry's missing out either. No. Um, no, I agree. They're all locks, as is Zorko, as is Rayner, Bailey. So I think you're looking at Dev Robertson, Cal Archie, that, that type of player. They're the ones that are on the fringe that I think Ashcroft probably slides in for. On that note, Jeremy has uh, asked for our best 22 plus the sub saying he's finding a, a challenge with 30 genuine contenders. We're going to put a pin Jeremy's in that right. one. Yeah, it's mm. very tricky. We <laughs> will put a pin in that for now though, Jeremy, because I think we're going to get to best 22s in the coming weeks. I don't know whether you have some sort of contractual obligation that you have to put your best 22 on the AFL website before you share it with us here. I, I probably should do that actually. <laughs> so, and we will have to do that. I would say, yeah, I don't know. It might be after. I don't know if we have to do that before the first pracky match or after. Okay. I'll, I'll we'll get figure that out. But we, we will have best 22s here on the Royal deal shortly and uh i i mean people uh 
champing at the bit to hear uh, my best 22, Mike, I'm sure. <laughs> so I will exclusively give it to you here. That's uh, that's the promise I'll give you. Uh, we'll move to uh, to Richard. Actually, that's my dad. Hey, Dad. Uh, I think the big unanswered question <laughs> is what is being done to address defensive lapses? How much focus have you seen on defense this preseason? Look, to be honest, this is one thing I can share with the listeners, Dom. I haven't actually been to much training this preseason. Um, mm. They came back two weeks before Christmas. I saw one or two sessions. They went to Christmas. I went on holidays. I came back last week. I watched them play an intra club. <laughs> so I haven't actually seen a lot, although I do know, again, I'm going to out Murray Davis. Again, I bumped into him at the, a couple of sessions I saw before Christmas. He's now coaching the um, forward line and Jed Adcock's coaching defense. Fascinating, said, isn't it? It is fascinating. And I actually, it might just be a switch of names on paper. Mm. I genuinely like it. I think it's a, a great move. I think Murray does bring a defensive mindset to that forward line. Now, I, I'm not going to believe it until I see it in a, in a game situation. I did see some drills prior to Christmas about defensive transition. That was one drill I did notice in the, in the lead-up to Christmas, and it was hammered for about half an hour. Uh, six players coming on, six going off, turnover, instantly running defensively, having to run to the opposite wing. It was really taxing defensive drill, which... Um, which I liked. It took up a big part of that session I went to, to see. So mm. I think there's been a, a big priority put on it. Uh, John is wondering, sort of a question for you, Mike, talking about uh, your running and your coaching of running, which you, you've alluded to a bunch of times on the podcast. But it's curious. <laughs> Probably too much. Yeah. Well, John's curious to know what act, what exactly is that? Is it programs? Is it juniors or so on? What What is it you're, you're My coaching? Doing? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Okay. My So I coach a squad in Brisbane. We're called Distance Culture. We're ba- We're we basically train at UQ. Now we're, I would call us a uh, semi-elite squad, I, I guess. Generally, most of the the people in my squad are, are aged. I think our, oh, actually, our youngest guy just finished high school, so he's seventeen. But beyond Jackson, who's a seventeen-year-old, most of our squads aged sort of early twenties to mid thirties, and they're probably competitive around the state. I would say, yep. um, around that state level, no one. Um, no one's going to be running, no one's going to be making the Olympics from my squad, but we've got a lot of guys that are competitive within Queensland and, and might qualify for the odd national championship here or there. And they, they run distances, everything from 1500 meters up to the marathon. So that's, that squad's got about 20 people in it. Um, we do a couple of sessions a week together and I do individualized programs for the odd person that from the community that might be seeking some guidance. Um, I'm sort of open to doing that, but I'm not going out and seeking that too much to be honest because i've got enough mm. enough balls in the air at the moment but i, but I do enjoy um programming but, for people and helping people how did uh how did your love of running begin what was the origin story of that yeah it's a good question i think i was i was i was handy at high school and my best mate was very very good in year 11 when i was in year 11 it's a long <laughs> time ago <laughs> he, 2001 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so let's go with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um he made state championships this was my best mate and i was pretty handy so i did a little bit of training with him and i just i loved seeing improvement to be honest mm. and when you're just starting out base running's a sort of sport where if you put in a bit of training you'll get better and you'll see rewards and you'll see improvement sure. and i think i enjoyed that part of it so once i left school i didn't want to commit to team sport training because i was quite keen to do well at university and i was a little bit of a nerd and i thought oh running's a sport where you can literally put your shoes on and go out the front door mm. and that's all i had to do i didn't have to commit time to people i had a, a coach that was coaching me so i did commit time to him but it wasn't so 
um, yeah, I didn't have to go to team training and commit to a ton of stuff. I could prioritize uni and fit running in around it. And I just got better and better. And um, I loved seeing the improvement. It is one of those sports where generally what you put in, you pretty much get out of. Yeah, sure. Right, okay. I'll, I'll give it a go one day. I promise you that. <laughs> I've, I've gone for a couple of jogs over the journey, um, but I, and generally you need to do more than a couple, I'm told. Uh, you do need to do more than a more couple. More than a couple yeah. over a long period of time. I would say the um, <laughs> the number one rule for improvement, Dom, is consistency. That's my okay. number one principle of coaching. So like one, one a year or something like that, you mean? Something roughly in that Yeah, you yeah. might want to be a little more consistent than that. I mean, that's okay. consistent if yeah. it's one a year. <laughs> that's true. You want to be, do consistently do more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work at that one. Uh, and lastly, uh, we'll wrap up with this question today. It comes through from Trent. Um, wondering, Mike, who your top five most important players at the club after season 2023. Now, uh, Trent goes on to clarify, and I think it's an important clarification, not who's the best, but who would be the most difficult to cover the loss of. So from one to five, most maybe start at five and build up to your most I, I want your feedback on this because yep. Dom did give me a little heads up on this just yes. before we started recording. So I quickly jotted some names down. I found it really difficult. I think Brisbane's got a, a deep squad now and I think yeah. they've got depth in nearly every position. I agree. So I'll start. Number five. I'll start with number five and I'll say Hugh McCluggage. Okay. Interesting. I think he's, I think generally midfielders are a little easier to replace. There's yes. simply more of them. Yeah. But I think Hugh is undoubtedly well I wouldn't say undoubtedly I think Hughes Brisbane's best ball mover going inside 50 yeah so yeah. I think he's the classiest if I can say that um, player and I think not having him there Brisbane hasn't had to deal with it very often he's so durable mm. he's, he's hardly missed any footy in his six years at the club so no, I think that's a very good call there to he, have you in the five he's my number five yep my number four I'll go to another midfielder Lockie Neal okay it's funny because we have seen Brisbane do well when Lockie <laughs> When Lockie um, yes. suffered all those injuries in 2021, I think Brisbane was 7-1 and one without him or some some ridiculous record without him. How can I not put him in the top five, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a Brownlow medalist a couple of years ago. He was a whisker away from winning a second one last year. Um, I think they can cover him, but he's obvious. And particularly now with Josh Dunkley, there's more depth. I don't think Jared Lyons is in my best 20. Well, he's not in my best 22 at the moment. But, yeah, if, okay. but if JL was fit again, he'd cut like... There's guys to cover Lockie Neal. Obviously, they can cover him. But to the quality of Lockie Neal. I just can't. Yeah, no. you're, you're, you're leaving out one of the best players in the comp and bringing in the 23rd best player on your list to cover him. Yeah. The, the gap there is just is just too big I'm for me. So he's, All right, number three. Number three, I'm going Charlie Cameron. Yep, yep. I, he was certainly going to be in my top three as well, so I like that. Just yep. the – I mean, yeah, there's players that can – you're just not getting that that – creativity that spark that no. dynamism like we have three fifth. tall forwards and one only one charlie cameron i mean we do have other there small is, forwards but yep. charlie is a whole different 50 goals a season your best small defender goes on him every single week and he's the sort of player who in a tense mat, uh, period of a game you know all he needs is that half a second he gets the goal that keeps yep. brisbane back in it you know like that that's something he has done time and time and time again yeah he does so I think it's a fair and, the, and the crowd the, the energy that he provides the gabber is incredible so the yep. top two now yep most important players at the Lions. I like this. Yeah, okay. So number two, yep. I'm going with my man, Brandon Stasevich. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Maybe this is the third bombshell for the episode. Gosh. <laughs> oh, look, I love Stasevich. I did think about this. Five. That's really interesting. Not in your five? No. Yeah. I did find this exercise difficult, I must say. There's not a lot for me between two and five. Okay. I'm quite comfortable with the five, yeah. but I'm not sure about the order so much. But I just think Stars... You think Brisbane could cover the loss of Charlie Cameron more easily than Stars? 
Uh, yeah, I think wow. I think Brisbane scores a lot easier yeah, than, they, okay. than they stop scoring. That's true. That's fair. I'll give you that. Yeah. So, I mean, Zach Bailey would – I mean, there's Zach Bailey, there's Cam Rayner, there's Link McCarthy, there's, you know, a bunch – anyway, I, so that from that perspective, yeah, I think they score points a lot easier than they stop them. So, sure. So, to that, I think it's Brandon Stasevich because he takes the best small to hybrid forward every week. And I think if he's not playing – who does it? It's probably Noah Answorth. Mm. Oh, it's not probably. It is Noah Answorth. I just don't think he's anywhere near as versatile or as good as Brandon Stasovic. Stasovic can play taller as well. If Darcy Gardner's injured, Stasovic can play as a third tall. Yep. I know that we're. I'm putting contingencies on contingencies here. That means Darcy Gardner's injured as well. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. I just think Stas is really difficult. Plays I like a, it. It's plays bold. A, cr- plays a critical role down there. I just don't. I just don't think he's that easy to replace. Yeah. And number one, I think, is a no-brainer, and yep. I'm pretty sure you'll agree Zach with this. Zach Bailey. Is Zach Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> no. You go, got it. <laughs> go where you were going to go. Is Harris Andrews? Yes, completely. Totally agree. Particularly with that. now with Marcus Adams being unavailable yep. for the foreseeable future, Harris is so much taller and so much better than any other defender on Brisbane's list. Yeah. With all due respect to who's who's left there at the moment, but he takes the number one forward. Um, he's the leader and, down and, there and as well. He's the leader. And honestly, it's it's his height. Because yeah. you look at these super tall forwards like a, a Max King. Mm. Like Jack Payne with all G- like that's just a difficult matchup. Max yeah. King's just so tall. These forwards are just so tall. Um yeah, and so I think Harris um yep. I think Harris is the man there. So who else have you got? Just well, some names. I mean well, you don't have to give me an order, but give me some names. I have your list almost exactly, except I have Charlie at number two because yep. I think you take Charlie Cameron out and And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna vehemently argue with that yeah. too much. I mean I've put my case forward, but yeah. I'm not gonna vehemently argue you. But there. citing it at number three instead of Charlie there is Oscar McInerney for me. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean obviously I thought about O. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I say Oscar, and I think Darcy Fort um, did very, very well filling in for Oscar last year, but I think um, when we talk about this amazing midfield Brisbane has put together, the synergy they build with the core, you know, the, their main ruckman is such an important thing that to me, if Oscar goes down, if he went down for a long term with a long term injury, I think that would really disrupt the the chemistry of that midfield mix and so that's why I've got Oscar in the the five as well like I, it's not that I don't agree with or don't like the uh, the Starsevich comment I suppose oh. in my mind I just think maybe it's a bit easier to cover a Starsevich yeah. for a month than it would be Oscar certainly the 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 more logical thing is the taller players yeah which yeah. I which I totally understand and I, I did think about Oscar and I did go to Darcy Fork can cover him. That's what I thought, and maybe that's wrong. Mm. Like your point about the synergy is probably a fair one, and I didn't consider the synergy as much as yeah, just yeah, the yeah. fact that I think Darcy Fort is, you know, ninety percent of Oscar McInerney in yes. terms of a player. Yeah, but maybe that final ten percent is the chemistry <laughs> with your midfield, and it's a pretty crucial ten percent. So I can yeah. certainly wear that one. Well, look, that's a it's an interesting exercise, isn't it? it is. though? I, I'd be tempted to put Kitty Coleman relatively high on that list these days too. I think he drives so much of that movement for the Lions, um, moving the ball forward. I think Zach Bailey is boosting up that list. Yeah, as well. what, what you do learn doing this exercise is that Brisbane's depth is pretty good. Yeah, it is. Yes, because if yes. you say, "Oh, Kitty Coleman's out," and yes, obviously, mm. anyone that we mention here is a loss because by definition we have them in our best team yeah yeah yeah. but kitty coleman goes there you go oh well, that's that's either darcy wilmot or connor mckenna whoever's yeah. not in the team they're yeah. coming in or daniel uh, rich is already there as a ball user um and one could argue that there's a couple of other names you could throw yeah. in there i said i J- said jimmy jack, madden yep jackson you know? Pryor is yeah. a 
is a really good ball user. Maybe Jasper Fletcher shortly as well. So there's, yep. there is a lot of depth there, which is pretty That's cool. what you'll find doing this exercise pretty quick. Now, people mm. might jump to Eric Hipwood and Joe Danaher. Crucial players, tall forwards, hard to replace. Yeah. But I'll come back to that. I, I don't think scoring is Brisbane's major problem. And now that Jack Gunston's there, I think Danaher and Gunston with Cam Rayner as your third tall forward, I, I reckon that works yeah. <laughs> with all those yep. smalls or, or Hipwood and Gunston with um, Rainer is your third tall. I reckon that works as well. No, so I totally agree. Totally you don't agree. want them injured, but I think they can overcome um, um, those guys being out. One player we didn't mention there, and we got a bit of flack for this one, Mike, so we should just touch on this as we do wrap up, is that neither of us had the new recruit, Josh Dunkley. I know, that was your old man again calling us out. <laughs> yeah, it was. Hey, Dad. <laughs> and, um, and he's right to do that. It's too. a fair comment. It, yeah, is, a, a, it is. Because you'd think Josh Dunkley, um, well, probably at the club, they'd be expecting him to be an All-Australian um, squad of 40 candidate. Do you, with that in mind, do you want to add him into your 40, or do you still stand by everything you said last week? It did make me think, I yeah. must admit, it yeah. did make me think. I had a little bit of, you can't call it buyer's remorse because we're not buying anything. But <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But no, I'm going to stick. I think how, how, I had about six guys in there, didn't I? I'm like, how, how many players can well, I put in there? And I, I, and I think for me, I've got, yes, I think it's a fair comment or a fair call to ask. Mm-hmm. I've already got Lockie Neal and Hugh McCluggage in there. I've got yeah, two midfielders in there. That's I true. find it hard to put three in there. Yeah. Yeah, I do find it hard to put three when there's, you know, maybe there's, I don't know how many midfielders they're going to pick in a 40-man squad. Maybe there's, maybe there's... Well, have you seen that like, maybe lately there's it's generally 38? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One fullback, yeah. of, maybe 37. A fullback, a full forward, and a ruckman. Right. Yeah, that's it. Well, Dunkley <laughs> has played a bit of time in the rucks, so maybe True. he can get in there as the ruck. Back up ruckman. <laughs> well, I see where I felt more guilty, if I'm honest, was, you know, he's just won the Western Bulldogs best and fairest and I didn't have him in my top three for the Merritt Murray medal. So, <laughs> but it, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's, it, again, it's just another point of the abundance of riches that yep. the, the Lions have at the moment. So anyway, look, that is, uh, that's all we got today. We're going to get to some holiday recaps and stuff too, Mike, but it turns out when we talk without a time limit, we just keep talking. So we're learning as we go and we'll, yeah. uh, you know, we'll refine the thing. We'll listen back. We'll see how we go going forward as well. Uh, but next week on the podcast, Mike, we are going to obviously have the review from this week's Intra Club. We're going to start looking ahead to these practice matches that are coming up as well. We're going to see if we can track down a guest to join us also. We've got a couple of ideas there. So stay tuned for all of that. Um, worth mentioning as we do wrap up the Patreon, which has, as we mentioned earlier, been a really uh, encouraging take up in the, the first week or so. Um, thank you so much to to the, I think it's about 60 or 70 people have jumped on Patreon to support us already, which is awesome. Um, so for, for those who haven't heard of the Patreon yet and are still listening after an hour and 15 minutes of whatever this has been, um, there are two tiers. You can pay $5 a month uh, to support us. That's just that helps us keep the lights on and keep this Literally thing going. Literally, as, as Dom says that, there's an on-air light there staring is, at me yes. as, as it gets dark here as we record. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it uses a lot of energy, so I do need the, the money for that. Um, but, uh, but also on there, you will get advanced uh, access to the podcast. Um, so you, you get that the night before everybody else. Sometimes this year, you might, if we have to record early for whatever reason, you might even get it a few days before everybody else. Um, and you, you get some behind the scenes content there as well um, over the journey. And then the $10 a month tier, the, the Platinum members uh, get into the Raw Deal Facebook group, members Facebook group, uh, which you and I are in. And uh, we've had some good chats for the people who are in there already. Someone who's the, the granddaughter of a Fitzroy captain. Oh, um, amazing story. Amazing story, wasn't it? Emily, I yeah, think. I think it is Emily. Yes. Emily, if I've got that wrong, <laughs> I'll correct it next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and, and obviously we're going to have that as a bit of a forum to, for you to ask questions, for us to chat footy through the year, that Facebook 
Facebook group. And uh, and also in that Facebook group um, is where Mike and I are going to jump on and do some Facebook live videos when teams come out each week. So there's some extra ways you can get involved. First uh, teams dropping in a few weeks, Dom. Yeah, almost there, aren't we? Yep. Almost there. So look, those are a few ways you can get involved or just keep uh, listening in here and, uh, and tune in any way you can. We are loving being back, Mike. It is so exciting to be here. Uh, it's good that we haven't broken the equipment with the... Uh, spilt water earlier are you smelling slight burning plastic or is that just me have you picked up on that at all i'm not joking either it's a little waft there's an unusual scent in the room but i'm sure the equipment's fine nothing's shorting out um i'm sure everything's totally fine here uh look the lines will be playing the intro club i'd imagine it'll be a 4 30 bounce as usual friday afternoon uh current knowledge is that's going to be at springfield brighton homes arena uh, i will be there come see me if you want and I'll give you the latest on that next week when we come back for the raw deal as round one gets closer and closer. We'll see you then.